Well, hi, folks. Welcome back to Anti-Suck. I'm Robert Morskowski. I'm here again with Johnny Womack. Hello. We're going to do something a little different here, because we just recorded our podcast for Iron Man 3. We just want to make a little podcast to kind of go over where Tony Stark came from and where he was at when we start the beginning of Iron Man 3. Yes. So we're going to talk a little bit about Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, and The Avengers, and just what Tony went through in those films. And we're going to call this one a point one as a little homage to the Marvel comic books who occasionally do side stories that they label point one. So this would be our 1.1 episode. Previous to Iron Man coming out, the first one, Marvel Studios Productions. Marvel would hand over their properties to other studios and they would produce the film. So Marvel wouldn't really hold on to any of the creative in, you know, influence on the mm-hmm. films. So what they started to do, they're just going to make their own movies. And so they did. So one thing they stopped doing with their films was they stopped having the brooding lead character. Right. The tormented, my superheroism was pushed upon me type of film. Mm-hmm. Daredevil, Ghost Rider, Elektra. Fantastic Four. Um, so finally we have like a character who actually like likes what he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's, it still kind of gets thrust upon him, but instead of being... The woe is me, I have superpowers, how must I deal with them? It's like, eh, this is what I do now. And they got a fantastic actor for that. Mr. Robert Downey Jr. Who is the perfect choice for this. I mean, he's he's somebody who's had to kind of, within his own personal life, had a lot of demons to battle. Yeah. And so that's exactly what Tony has to deal with in the first movie. Yeah. So where's Tony at when we start Iron Man 1? He is in the Middle East, showing off his latest weapon advancements. Because that's what he does. He he makes weapons. He's very he's engulfed he, in it. He's very much in the intimidation game. Yeah, he eats, sleeps, breathes weapon advancements, mm. and he's very he likes to show his power, his money, his wealth. So because of that, doesn't do too bad with the ladies. No, he's a charmer. People love his money, his cars, his goatee. The goatee is yeah. Chicks dig the goatee. Yeah, that's his version of the Batmobile. Chicks dig the car, and he's off showing his new toy to the U.S. military. Of course, they want to have the most advanced weapons in the world. Well, it's all about for me. It's all. It looks like it's all about intimidation. Like you have yeah. to have the biggest, baddest guns to be, you know, to intimidate your opponents instead of actually using it on them. Right. Like, look what we can do. But it turns out, other people want to do that too. They do. They want to take the technology and, and use it against America. Ooh, ouch! That's scary, isn't it? He's in the uh, Humvee. Right? Mm-hmm. He's got his little entourage of U.S. military. Yeah, protecting him. And he's qu- cracking jokes and yeah. being witty. And... Which, show, it's such a great introduction to him. Yeah. Because it really shows off his personality. And he's really fast and quick. You know? And the lady uh, uh, soldiers are really, like, just taken aback by him. They're, mm-hmm. like, so charmed by him. And, and I mean, that's all he is. He's really charming. He's, yeah. he's quick on his feet. Like, But their convoy gets attacked. Explosion! Boom. He gets knocked out yeah. by one of his own missiles. The people they're attacking are actually using Stark Industry missiles to attack Tony Stark. Yeah, using his own taste of his own medicine, so to speak. So the bomb like lands near him as he escapes the Humvee. And it lands near him. You can clearly read Stark Industries on Oh, yeah. yeah. And then it goes, boom. Tony wakes up in a cave. And that's the first part. Like That's the first time he's really kind of not in control. Right. So it's like he is at someone else's will. Without his devices and everything mm. like that. Yeah, Tony without drinking. Oof. Oof. Or ladies. Yeah. So these terrorists have, like, kidnapped him because they want him to start making weapons for them. Exclusively for them. Mm. But he's been cooped up with another scientist who's supposed to help him build these weapons. But the first thing the scientist has to do is keep Tony alive. Right. Because what happens? There's a shrapnel. Tony's got all sorts of little shrapnel bits running through his body. Right. So the doctor had to find a way to keep him alive. So he creates this little reactor in his chest, a little electromagnet that kind of grabs those things before they get to Tony's heart. 
Right. So, anyways, it, Tony does not trust these people that took him hostage, no. and that, that's going to keep him alive. Can't trust a terrorist. No, I don't know why, but you just can't trust them. And just, so you don't run into too many friendly terrorists. You don't. I think that's part of their public relations problem. Yeah, I don't. They're just all jerks. He creates a, a better advanced one mm-hmm. with the with the battery, and but he has a pretty darn good idea about mm-hmm. how to get away from these guys. Mm-hmm. They've given him a bunch of materials to create this weapon for him. So what does he do? Turns into a big walking suit. Yeah, it's like a big iron, you know, like a. Would you say an Iron Man? Yeah, let's say like it's an like iron he builds man. an Iron Man. He does. It's a, it's a it's a man. It just kind of rolls off the tongue. Iron Man. Iron Man. Because if he said like Steel iron Man, Man. Steel Man just doesn't work. No, Iron Bronze Man. man. Mm, no. no, it's iron. iron. Iron Man. It sounds right. It just feels good when you say yeah, it. Yeah, it makes you happy. So he, like, escapes thanks to this, like, Iron Man suit he creates. It's, very, uh, it's not very eloquent. No. It's not very... <laughs> it's definitely the alpha phase of the Iron Man suit. Yeah, very slow moving, as if you were a knight back in the. Yes. <laughs> you know, very slow moving. It protects you, but you're not. You don't have a lot of uh, mobility in the suit. But he does. He does get out of there. He blows up all the Stark equipment that they've stolen and are using against, uh, let's say, the good guys. Mm-hmm. Makes it back to civilization, and he's had to go through some self-examination, self-scrutiny. Yeah, like, who am I? What am I doing? So he's got to find out why his weapons are being used for what they're being used for. Well, it's like the rug was pulled out from underneath him. Mm-hmm. He had no, I mean... His world, world's turned upside down. Yeah. yeah, I mean, before this all happened, I mean, he had the money, he had the girls, he had the car, he had the power, he had the prestige of being mm-hmm. who he is, you know, and all of a sudden that's all pretty much, like you said, turned upside down. He's been living this carefree life for too long, and then he realizes he has to kind of focus on what's important. There's other things more important than just himself as well. So the first time, this is the first time Tony's had to realize that his weapons are being used for evil. And that ends right there. Yeah. Like he's he's done in the military game. He's about no to, more intimidation from him. He's in the peace game now. Peace. Like he's it's direct action versus intimidation. First thing on agenda, making a new Iron Man suit. He's going to be the guy who brings peace to the world. He's going to be the symbol of peace for mm-hmm. America. But at first, the U.S. government not so happy to have an outside uh, <laughs> outside a contractor. Rogue, um, <laughs> what would you call it? A vigilante. Yes, vigilante is good. Doing things better than they ever could. And that's how they introduce his bestie buddy. Lieutenant Colonel Rhodey. James Rhodey. Played in this movie by Terrence Howard. That guy. Does a fine job. Yeah. I just don't think he's too memorable in that role. Like, no. The, I think if he were in... He got recast for Iron Man 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. But I think he would have been more memorable had he been still in Iron Man 2. Because they give Don Cheadle as that character a lot more to do. Tony has to kind of look inside himself and realize that he's been part of the problem. And now he's going to be part of the solution. So he's going to go wipe out the bad guys. Specifically the ones uh, that are keeping him hostage. A little revenge. Yeah. Eh, yeah. He realizes that it's time to make some changes. And he stops. He's always had flings in his life. He's never had like a real relationship. Right. So he starts one night to, stands. Yeah. And that, that's Tony to a T. Like, he... Starts to realize there's more important things, and he definitely realizes how important his assistant Pepper Potts is. Right, played by the beautiful, lovely, vivacious Gwyneth Paltrow. So he goes out throughout the world cleaning things up, but what he doesn't know is someone's found his old suit. And what do they want to do with that old suit? They want to make a bigger, better version of it for war. They take it and they want to take his old prototype and make it a more advanced version to use against America, use against Tony, use against everybody. Which is, again, like everything Tony's trying to fight against now. And while he's on all these adventures, 
nobody knows who Iron Man really is. He just kind of shows up, kicks some ass, and leaves. The typical superhero. You don't have a exactly. secret identity. You exactly. don't know who he is and who he's about. He's just some guy that saves the day. So it turns out a bald Jeff Bridges is the real bad guy in the film. Two-time Oscar winner. There's some trivia for you. What were those two films, Johnny? The remake, True Grit. Oh, yes. And, of course, Crazy Heart. Nice. Two High good five. films. High five. Definitely check those out. Bald Jeff Bridges is successful in creating a new Iron Man suit. And, of course, they have a big fight at the end. Epic oh, no. Fight. Guess what? Tony wins. He does. He's a changed man. So it turns out everyone wants to know who Iron Man is. So he has a press conference. It's a press conference. And he's tired. Right. He's exhausted. So he just has a whole press conference, sit down and have be relaxed. And he's been given a script of what he should say. Right. Like, to keep everything under wraps, here's how we'll gloss over Here's things. protocol for this and all that. And he's just like, there's a reporter who asks him, so who is the guy? Who's Iron Man? What does Tony say? I am Iron Man. End credits. So finally we have somebody who's like out in the open about who they are as a superhero, which that's what really sets this film apart. It'd be the same thing as if I, uh, Peter Parker unmasked, you know. Yeah, I mean, you can't, like, that's like you get to the end of Batman Begins and there's a press conference where Bruce Wayne, like, says, I am Batman. That, so, that's not going to happen. No, you could take, you can you can see how it take took America by storm, the world mm. by storm, by seeing, you know, the billionaire philanthropist Tony Stark is a superhero. We're what? just We're just exposed to too many of these films of, like, secret identity and... Like people who are so burdened by what they do, but Tony knows he's doing everything for the right reasons, and that's where Iron Man Two comes in. In the beginning of Iron Man Two, Tony's been at this for a while. Yeah, it's been a few years. So he's just like he's made world peace his bitch. Now, as a consequence, it's always about escalation. Mm-hmm. So you find out all these other countries, these terror states, have been working on their own Iron Man suits, and there's a lot of propaganda about that out there trying to make people fear those so we U.S. military can justify making their own Iron Man army, which is, again, totally what Tony's not about. He wants to bring peace, not intimidate. Hmm. And he's doing it himself. Right. He knows how to do it. He knows his own convictions. He doesn't want to leave it to someone else who could corrupt it. But Tony being Tony, he comes in like a rock star. Brash. Just daring, bold. Uh, but he comes in like a rock star with the lights, the fireworks, and the, the, the rock and music. Always, always. So he makes an entrance. And uh, it's televised everywhere, and you see a you see a guy uh, watching the party on TV. Mm-hmm. Now this is where we're going to start. We talk about movies we like, and I do like this film, but this is absolutely the weakest of the movies we've seen. And uh, yeah, and according to uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it was a seventy three percent for the critics, which is uh, still a good review, mm-hmm. but it's it's definitely much lower than the rest. Mm-hmm. As far as the Marvel movies go, this is definitely the weakest one. Right. I think I said in the full version of our Iron Man 3 podcast that this feels like it had like four different stories by four different writers. You've got the Whiplash story, which is Mickey Rourke's character. You've got the Justin Hammer, Justin Hammer storyline with Sam Rockwell. You've got the Rhodey part with Don Cheadle. And you've got the S.H.I.E.L.D. part with Nick Fury and Natasha Romanov right. joining the mix. Of all the shield stuff and that's part of the, i think you said way back when was like there's too much setup for shield in this one there's not enough focus on tony and his character right this should have been called iron man 2 set up for the avengers <laughs> that's what it should have been prequel man yeah which overall i think the film is entertaining but it's just really choppy and uh, we were watching it again today just getting a feel for it again and boy did i forget about how much i like sam rockwell in this film yeah sam rockwell was yeah, he, he, he plays must. Justin Hammer, who he's kind of the guy Tony would have become if he never had his awakening. 
Yeah, and he has his own uh, industry called uh, Hammer Industries. He's mm-hmm. a CEO, and uh, he pretty much is trying his best to. He's trying his best to um, be the top of weapons. Yeah, I mean he's he's picking up where Tony left off. He wants like, to be the go-to for weapons. Exactly. He wants to create the biggest and the baddest. And there's a guy named uh, Ivan Vanko who uh, does not like what Tony represents now. Well, what's that trilogy-itis looks like they were going for, where it's a sense of the father reflecting on you know the son. And so Ivan Vanko decides that he's going to take out his revenge on the Stark family via Tony. Right. So he creates his own arc reactor. On the from black... blueprints. He had blueprints from his father. And pieces from the black market. And he decides he's going to have little whips on his hand. They're electrified. Powered by the arc reactor. And mm-hmm. uh, he wants to do some damage. He wants to, make a, he wants to make a statement. Oh, yeah. And what's a better way to make a statement than the, the uh, uh, world televised uh, IndyCar races? I think it's called... I really am going off the top of my head. I don't, I don't have this on Wikipedia right now. I think it's called the Circuit de Monaco. Monaco. Circuit de Monaco. And Tony, of course, being the brash jerk that he is still... In his personal life, decides that he's going to drive his own formula car at the last second. Oh, yeah. Who else needs to be televised than Mr. Stark? And uh, that's when Vanko decides to make his move and comes out onto the track and starts attacking the cars as they come by with his new with his new electric whips. And he wreaks havoc. Luckily, Tony brought his to-go suit. That Happy, his right-hand man, is, is holding on to. With the chain kind of reminiscent of uh, From Russia With Love. Yes. All these James Bond fans out there. Then, boom. Big old fight. Whiplash is down, but not out. Meanwhile, during all this, it turns out Tony's kind of dying because Arc Reactor is kind of slowly poisoning him. So he's trying to make... He knows he's dying, so he tries to make peace with the world. And then he is um, kind of decides to have a little fun. Yeah, and goes overboard with it. Yeah, drinks and has a party, mm-hmm. and everyone catches him, and it's televised. People see him, what's going on, and... Rhodey shows up. Yeah. And he realizes, like, you know, something's off with Tony, so he steals the new prototype. Because somebody has to be on patrol as Iron Man. Right. And if Tony Stark won't do it, Rhodey Rhodes is going to do it. He'll take the mantle. Mm-hmm. So they have a little fight because turns out Tony doesn't like people touching his stuff. And they have a little fight, bash back and forth. Which that's, that's what we were talking about it because it felt like there wasn't a threat to that fight. Because they start playing, the DJ at the party starts playing um, Another One Bites, Bites the, the dust. dust. Not the proper tone for a no. friend fighting another friend. And I, I was thinking too, like, why wouldn't... Tony have a fail safe where only he could operate the uh, the Iron Retinal suit. scan or something. Yeah. Even like just like the same body, you know, why would he be the same body type as Tony? Like it's I'm sure it's fitted just for him. But actually Tony doesn't get his suit back. Mm-mm. The new prototype, nicknamed War Machine, flies off with Rhodey inside it. That's when Shield comes to the rescue. Samuel Jackson, who's the director of Shield. Yes. Um kind of gives Tony a temporary cure for his uh for uh, his arc reactor poisoning. So Tony gets back to being concerned with the Stark Expo that's been going on. Mm-hmm. It's where a bunch of the world's greatest minds get together to kind of show off what they can do in the world of defense, science, protection. And he comes across this old video of his dad. It's actually on 16mm film. He starts Howard watching Stark. it. Mm-hmm. Played really well by John Slattery from Mad Men. Yeah. And he's he's almost unrecognizable. Like if you don't know it's him, it's he wouldn't you wouldn't think well, so. The great thing is he comes across uh, with this. They're, they're shooting this video, and what's the video about? Stark Industries. Yeah, the world of tomorrow, which rings exactly like Walt Disney. You're watching Walt Disney like explain Epcot. Epcot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very reminiscent of that. And uh, there's a little message to Tony in there, which he'd never seen before, because Tony has had all his daddy issues for 
forever and a day. So finally, that he, he gets a little personal message like, this is all for you, Tony. Because his dad apparently wasn't very attentive to him growing up. So when he hears this, like, everything he does, he does for Tony, then... He gets a little closure on his dad finally. Yeah, it was a wake-up call for him because he always felt forlorn and, and set aside and ostracized. and So he gets a little like extra spring in his step after that. And he creates a new arc reactor that doesn't poison him. It's a lot more powerful. They sure seem to... It's got like a triangle. It's got a triangle now instead of a circle, which that makes all the difference. Yeah, triangles are cool. Telly. The power of the pyramid. Yeah. Telly monster from Sesame Street loves triangles. If you say so. So then it's time to fight the bad guy again for some reason, which Sam Rockwell busted uh, Whiplash out of prison to come and fight Tony again. And that's where Hammer is showing off his army of uh, robotic men. And uh, Whiplash decides he's going to take control of those, and they start going after Tony and War War Machine. Machine. And the fight itself only lasts for around three minutes or so. It's a very very quick quick fight. Yeah. Saves the day. Saves Pepper from a bomb. Yeah, and I think that's where Iron Man 2 really drops off for me. Was mm. I thought Iron Man 2 excelled when it was just Tony as Tony, out of the suit, mm. very well, cerebral, very just about him, his inner core of who he is. When we were reviewing it, that's what I was most looking forward to, was like seeing the stuff with his dad again. Because he's trying to, he thinks he's dying. He's trying to come with, you know, create some peace for himself with that. And he comes across, you know, this thing about his, with his dad saying that, I did this for you. Like kind of what Tony's doing with the world. He's trying, he mm-hmm. knows he's dying. So he's trying to leave the world with something. He's like, well, world peace. Like, you know, and so when his dad said, this is all for you, it kind of like rejuvenates him, gets him back in the game. And that kind of leads us into Avengers right. where he is this little more, a little more centered person. He's gotten time to, you know, get used to the suits mm-hmm. and made advancements on his mocks and, and all of that. So in the beginning of Avengers, he's done with the arms race. And now it's the power race, the clean energy race. Yeah. So he is building the, building the new Stark Tower, which is run completely on its own energy. And that's where we see him first in the film. He's actually in the Iron Man suit, but we see him underwater for a change. Which shows you that his suits have made advancements you mm-hmm. know, in, in different places. It's just nice to introduce him in a new environment, too. Because right. we wouldn't have thought, like, we've seen him fly through the air. We've never seen him, like, underwater before. Yeah. And that's a nice setup for the end of the film, where we see him go into space. space. So when we first see him, he's underwater, and he flies up to the Stark Tower, and then we meet Pepper again. For those, I mean, this movie is set up like you've never seen Iron Man one or two. Just to give those people, yeah, yeah. and that I mean, that reflects in the box office. Like a lot more people went to see Avengers than the other films they know, individually. So they reintroduce Pepper as the girlfriend. You know, very nice scene between them. Works very well in the film. Uh, so she what, has twelve percent, and it shows how they, yeah, it shows how they like banter at each other. But you know, they're obviously in love. playful, yeah. And then he gets kind of called into action because. Thor's brother is back on the scene. Loki. In the previous movies, Tony Stark has been resisting joining S.H.I.E.L.D., which is a secret underground organization that has the world's best interests. Uh, hmm. They go out, they, they protect us against the big bads we don't hear about. Yeah. Kind of like Men in Black, but... But Nick Fury, who runs the thing, he's always known that there's going to be a threat they can't handle at some point. And so they always had something in place called the Avengers Initiative. Initiative. Mm-hmm. Which Tony kind of got voted out of because he's a little too pig-headed. And he doesn't well play well with others. He doesn't play well with others, which that doesn't work in a team setting. But that's what, that's his arc throughout this film. Because as he goes through, he ha- kind of has to knocked into realizing that if a threat's bigger than Iron Man, he has to kind of play ball with you know other team members. And right. naturally so. He, can, he kind of falls into it. He doesn't, he's not forced to. He just kind of falls into it. Okay, Robert. Who are the Avengers? Well, in order of appearance in the movie... 
You've got Hawkeye. Played by Jeremy Renner. Yes, very good. He uh, Hawkeye is pretty darn good with a bow and arrow. He doesn't have to look at his targets. That takes some skill. We've got Natasha Romanoff. Played by the gorgeous <sighs> Scarlett Johansson. Yes, sir. There is Bruce Banner. Played now. Played now by... The great Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. In his first non-independent film. Yes. Then we've got... Then we meet Captain America. Again. Played by Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Then we've got the man, Tony Stark again. And later on, probably about third way through the movie, then we get Thor. Yeah. Played by Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. And together they have to save the world. Which they do. But the big the big arc for Tony in the film is that he has to kind of get on board with playing with a team. Yeah, it's tough because not only does he have his own ego to deal with, he has the egos of everyone else in the team. But that's that's like kind of like the last thing Tony has to deal with of old Tony, mm-hmm. like the last remnants, yeah, of, the old Tony. of just being not working as a team. I mean, of course, at the end of Iron Man two, he does work well with War Machine, but now he has to work as part of a team. He has to be he has to be where he's most useful and not just calling the shots. And one of the things that Captain America accuses him of of not being able to take the big risks. And by the end, where the guy who's got to put his life on the line is Tony at the end. He takes the ultimate sacrifice. Mm-hmm. He's the one that the people who are really in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. decide they're going to blow up New York when it starts getting, when it's threatened by alien invasion during the final they, fight scene. They think that all lost. Uh, yeah, it's all lost. The Avengers aren't helping. Like, we're just going to nuke New York. Nuke the s- whole place <laughs> and, and just wipe it under the, sweep it under the rug. So Tony, with the help of Jarvis, is the one who kind of grabs the nuke and points it at the hole in the sky created by the aliens. And he's going to go blow up the bad guys. Yeah, their ships. Right as his power is depleting. Yes. So he starts falling back to Earth. Power's lost. And we the the Avengers don't realize that he's falling mm-hmm. without power. And They're like, oh, good. Tony saved the day. Uh-oh. And it, it, he keeps falling to Earth and falling to Earth. And luckily, the big old Hulk guy catches him. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Like a green, beautiful That's a guy big superhero moment, yeah. <laughs> and Hulk so, love Tony. Wait, it looks like, Tony's, Tony, looks like Tony's dead for a second. Oh, yeah. His, his like, arc reactor's not lit up mm-hmm. and everything. It looks like he's done. So that it turns out he's okay. With the scream of the roar yes. of Hulk, he awakens in the day. Which I think that would wake me up, too. Yeah. He's starving, too. He's very hungry. That was a long work. A lot of work that day. It's got some swarm on the brain. Yes. But that's it. I mean, that's where exactly where Tony, you know, he's finally progressed to being an all-out superhero who, you know, can adapt. Well, just the hero in general. I think this is a good, these movies are a good mm-hmm. arc of the hero. Uh, Dr. Joseph Campbell wrote about that, and he talked about the hero and his trials and tribulations he has to go through. And I think yeah, this is it, a good it is, idea. Yeah, because it's about redemption overall. Right. Tony's not a, he's, he's a charismatic guy in the beginning. He's a cool guy. But... He's not a good guy. Right. He's in him for he has, himself. He has his own reasons for thinking what he's doing is the right way, but he has to be shown that he's actually doing more harm than good. And that's when he decides he's on, he's going to turn his life around. So essentially he goes from that, he goes to stopping people that are intimidating the world to becoming someone that wants to promote peace. Mm. And then he goes and does what he says and becomes a hero for the masses. He becomes a hero for America. And because of that, top-grossing superhero right now. So that's us, like, summing up where Tony Stark's been. Thank you, folks. Hopefully we'll have a little more of these kind of, like, special episodes as we go along because we got a lot of ideas for these podcasts right now. We do. So much that we're already taking suggestions from people. (laughs) Yes. Trust me, folks, we have a lot of ideas. Thank you for your input, though. All right, you guys, have a good night. Until the next Marvel movie.
Bye.